Hi friends, welcome to episode 39. On today's episode, I have the opportunity of chatting with my new friend, Alicia Enstrom. She is a violinist, composer, touring musician, recording artist, and we talk all things Nashville, why she moved back, she toured with Cirque du Soleil, and all about her music. Welcome to the Musician's Guide to Being Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. Every week, we have music industry professionals and top performers share their insights on thriving as a modern musician. Whether you're a recent grad or high-profile artist, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Karen Kibidez, CEO of Kibidez Artist Services, marketing and management consultant, educator, and professional saxophonist based in Nashville, Tennessee. Friends, welcome to the podcast. I am sitting here with my new friend Alicia Enstrom. Hello, welcome. hello, hello. Um, I think you're just so fabulous and amazing that I don't even know how to introduce you. So just tell us who you are well, that and makes what me you feel do. Really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Alicia Enstrom, and I am a violinist and composer, and all around just mess with the violin. <laughs> <laughs> you're amazing. I was so we met through um, David David Rogers' podcast, yes. you know, Improvisers yeah. Corner, and we were filming. And then I remember you like distinctly show up, and you have these like epic shoes. <laughs> um, let's talk about your shoe choices. Shoes. I like shoes a lot. I feel like uh, I'm shorter, and sometimes I feel like people take you more seriously if you're taller. <laughs> but I also just like shoes in general and mm-hmm. flat shoes. So I found these um, these white mega moon shoes, as we like to call them, yeah. and they have become strangely my trademark. Although today I am wearing a different pair, but I love them. I it's like very on brand. I like shoes that are functional but different and fun. So. Yeah. It was like a great conversation starter because I was like, oh my gosh, those shoes. And then you were amazing. And then I went to your Instagram and of course like stalked you after. Um, and there's like videos and pictures of you like hanging on, what is that called? Playing your instrument? Well, so I toured with Cirque du Soleil for a number of years and I was only part of the band, but I was also in a show where I toured and we danced and played at the same time. So mm, one of no my friends deal. in Cirque, <laughs> no big deal, high kicking and you know, who would have thunk? And, uh, yeah, and so I just, you know, one of my friends was like, do you want to learn how to do the hoop? And I was like, well, that's not the first thing that I would have chosen in Cirque du Soleil. But, you know, I you know, I was inducted into my high school hall of fame for sports. And so I was like, sure, you know, I couldn't get myself up on this hoop. So it's called Cerceau uh, in French, but it's basically this big metal hoop that spins and you can uh-huh. really get it going. And so I kind of started learning it as a joke. And then I could kind of really do it. Obviously not to the extent that the girls do in the show. I probably right. would kill myself. But, and then I was like, I think, you know, I could probably do this and play my violin at the same time. So it kind of started yeah. as a joke and then kind of went from there. And one of my best friends on tour knew somebody here in Nashville. So when I decided to stop touring, she's like, you should really keep doing stuff. So yeah. that's kind of that's so cool. Random life skills. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. And especially because, you know, violin doesn't have that many notes. So yeah. it's it's good that not, you just... Not many notes. You, you know, know, you can... definitely know where to put your fingers. It's, it's all just there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Um, so, you know, I, I know you went to Vanderbilt and yeah. you've toured all over the world and been super fancy. Um, what do you like about Nashville? Like, why did you decide to come back and like explore this scene? Nashville, I think what brought me to Nashville in the first place was, you know, it was known as the one of the music capitals. And yeah. um, Vanderbilt was a great school. And I thought, oh, I can do, you know, classical uh, playing and also do more of the fiddle and jazz that I had done. Um, yeah or I just like touched on at that point. Um, and then when I was kind of getting off the road, I, for a long time I was like, oh, I might just be touring for the rest of my life. But then I kind of woke up one morning, I was like, I really would like to unpack 
yeah. my suitcase for just a little bit. And um, I was like, I think I'll go back to Nashville because when I was in school, I took an audition um, with, uh, at the time, it's the Nashville String Machine. And from that are various entities, but there's a lot of recording that goes on here. Yeah. Um, and in terms of classical stuff, uh, to get to sub with the symphony, um, and then still working on some of my stuff, and it was an easy place to get around. But ironically, like when I got back to Nashville, I just, you know, I was like, I knew it was growing, but I was kind of like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the Gulch, there was nothing there except Station right. Inn, and now. So it's pretty incredible. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so I'm assuming like when you were a kid, you weren't like, oh, I'm going to like tour and be this. Like, how did you, how did you go on this path of like, being a a well-rounded musician to the sense that you could tour as an option that's a good question not really no i'm just kidding (laughs) uh i think i'm you know my parents kind of had us do a lot of different things and they both came from farming families um in the middle of nebraska and Mm -hmm. you know they wanted to make sure that we got to do some things that they hadn't gotten to do um and that's not just because you're on a farm uh Farming is great. Uh, it really is. <laughs> I keep telling my uncle. My uncle still farms all the land on my mom's side. Uh, but, you know, so we grew up and we had to do what my parents called, like, life sports. So we swam and played golf because my father said, you know, he was the first in his family to be in the business world. And he knew that a lot of deals got done on the golf course, A. And, B, a lot of women didn't play golf. So he yeah. had three girls. So we were all going to play golf in case we were ever. He was like, I don't want you to get, you know, pushed aside because you can't be out there. Right. Um but so I guess my point being with all this, and then we had to learn music and dance. Um, and I, you know, my parents were just always kind of like, we wondered whether we should have put you in like only violin or just made you concentrate on one thing. But I think getting the opportunity to do all those things, and I'm very thankful to my parents for carting me around to this stuff yeah. as well, um, kind of gave me an appreciation for those kinds of things and also opens your eyes up to the importance of communication in all facets. And yeah. I think then... I took that and kind of looked at music that same way because I love music, but I was like, oh, but I really like that style and I really like that style. And then I was like, this is all really just colors. And like everybody, we want to put things in different little places. But, and I think because of, you know, I say I'm I'm definitely that cliche. I'm a master of none, jack of all, (laughs) jack of something. (laughs) I'm not really sure. But, and I think that is what kind of gave me uh, the opportunities that I've had because, you know, I can play, um, at a high level classically and then I can hack around and you know come up with a solo I can write music and yeah I mean we're all just just trying <laughs> uh what was the quote the fake it till you make it yeah yeah <laughs> no, no, but that, that's amazing I think just and being open to taking chances and different in different capacities and being willing to fail yeah so that, yeah. that's such a good segue too because I mean like how do you define you know your music and your artistry and I mean I'm sure that's especially like because you know as artists and especially with like our family and our loved ones you're like oh I'm like a freelance musician it's like what does that mean but then you're like I tour with Cirque du Soleil you're like I'm fancy like so how do you like disassociate and kind of claim what it is that you actually do that's a good question I feel like we've had this discussion before you know like we like to everybody wants to know how to define you and that's it's funny because I'm releasing um Actually, here we go. There's a plug. August 9th is the next single from, an, it's called A Monstrosity EP, which it starts out with like kind of two semi-indie pop tunes to then like a avant-garde classical piece yeah. with like electronics to like a single violin sound to then it ends with like a pop tune. And the whole point, you know, somebody was, had to explain this to some people doing some PR for me. And I said, 
it's kind of like you go through this entire album and it's kind of like a look at yourself and a look at society in general and the whole meaning behind it being like sometimes these like things that hold us back uh I don't know what I'm talking about now because now I'm like thinking about it too much. But basically just like sometimes we aren't the norm and people don't know yeah. what to do about that. It's like I, I produced the music, I recorded the music, I played it all, I wrote it all. It's not in a little package that everybody can go, oh, this is your indie pop record or this right, is a classical right. record. And to me, it's just this little monstrous creature of yeah. colors. Yeah. And that's what I think, you know, you can take that into society, you can take that into in whatever capacity of your life, but just just accepting something for what it is instead of trying to narrow it down and put mm -hmm. something like yeah. that. I don't know. Did any of that make sense? Probably no, not. it did. <laughs> I loved it. I, I think that's that's so important too, especially because so much of our value comes from what we think people think we do yeah. or like yes. do they understand what we do? Yeah. And even for me, like being understood is so important, but yeah. then I'm getting also to a point in my career where I'm like, nah, whatever. Well, that's, I think... <laughs> you know, I tried for such a long time when I was writing stuff, I was like, oh, well, you know, especially in Nashville, the singer songwriter for the most part, and it's, it's definitely not this way now, but I was like, oh, you have to be the certain type or this, that, and the other. And then the moment I just started writing the stuff that actually <clears throat> was within me and just yeah. trying not trying to make it like whatever else is out there. I mean, you know, my parents might be the only ones that listen to it, but, <laughs> no, but yeah. you know, it's just like the moment you kind of do that. And that's what the whole storyline too of this EP mm -hmm. is kind of like the first one is called monsters. And it's like monsters. We, you know, everybody's preconceived notion of a monster is a scary thing that's going to hold you back. And sometimes what you really need to do is take a good look at those monsters. And then you realize, Oh, that's not a monster. That's just this little voice or thing. That's yeah. going to like, potentially set me free and then from that the whole record kind of that's so unfolds cool. in, a, in a weird way or centered around that idea kind of thing so you're so brilliant i love it I'm, i mean <laughs> tell my tell my parents sometimes i think they scratch their heads <laughs> that's amazing yeah. i love that that's such a good concept yeah wow yeah um, so as far as like the mechanics of, of your artistry here in Boston, in Boston, oh Boston. my God, I, I, I love Freudian Boston. Slip. <laughs> <laughs> Freudian slip. Somebody wants to be back in Boston. I know. In Nashville. Um, what, what things could like a typical week in your life look like? Oh, that's the weird part. Um, very thankful to get to do a lot of things that I do. Uh, I sub with the symphony quite a bit. Uh, so I might have like a week with them with then session work. There's a whole bunch of different entities in town that I, again, um, thankful to work for. And then currently I'm working on my concerto. So like I get up really early in the morning and I try to not make too much noise for my neighbors, but sometimes I'll start like recording like super early and I'll yeah. try to get some of that stuff out before I have to go to the first thing. Yeah, yeah. Then might need to learn some music for like a, a jazz gig or something, you know, it's just, it's kind of like, it's fun to kind of piece it together. And then yeah. sometimes I'm like, I feel mental. So <laughs> just keeping it fresh. You just yeah. Know, so. Oh, love that. Yeah. So what other interests do you have? Um, I heard you talking about like fitness and running I do. and all I, that, that. Like, I think that keeps me mentally sane, whether some people would uh, argue, argue whether I'm sane. <laughs> That's definitely a question to ask. Uh, but just, you know, I grew up playing a lot of sports and, and movement. And I know, I noticed that like when I don't do something, then I kind of like my brain's like, it's like overactive. Yeah. I need to like get moving. So I used to play like on a club soccer team here and then just schedule wise, it was kind of hard to 
get around uh, depending on where we were playing but I still do a lot of like workout videos in my house yeah that's right I'm cool <laughs> and uh, I punch the air is what I call it <laughs> might be somebody's face no, <laughs> um yeah and I just I like it's kind of you know I try to do it in the morning because if it happens at night it's probably not going to happen but yeah yeah I got that yeah. oh love that yeah. that's so good um so how do you keep your your mental health in check besides like the wellness part like are you is there any like specific thing that you do like a lot of like Nashville people are like I do pages and I'm like you know artist way type of person like I don't even know what's pages um oh they just wake up and, and write, oh, write stream of consciousness yeah how do I stay mentally sane well definitely not mentally sane <laughs> I mean definitely not no, I kind of, in the morning, I wake up and I have a couple things, books that I read from, kind of mm -hmm. like just um, spiritual things. Yeah. And um, and just kind of have like a moment of reflection and quietness. And then I think the funny bit is, because I think when I get around people, I, you know, I get energized by people, but I am I really think that I'm truly an introvert as well. Yeah. And I really need to go home and just have my quiet time. And like, whether it's working on my music or just taking a moment to read something or to listen to podcasts yeah. and or, you know, I have friends, including yourself, that send me <laughs> some really cool things that I like. That's like my quiet time during the yeah. day. Like I need to have like the little, you know, it doesn't matter how long it is in the morning, but usually, you know, it's the quiet time of reading something and reflection in the morning and then also working out. I try to shove that in the morning. That, yeah. will ha that has to happen. And I can tell if it doesn't. I mean, I don't work out every single day, but like if you're just sitting like stretching or something right. or something like that um but yeah and that I don't that was kind of like a roundabout way of saying what I exactly do but no I love that um I think it's kind of funny that you're an introvert though I know because so yesterday we were at or I guess like the Monday whenever this airs we were at like bar taco and we were having like lunch like a fancy lunch I guess and you're so fancy. You're fancy. very fancy <laughs> and like so I love Bar Taco and everybody like knows that I love Bar Taco. I can't it's stop talking tasty, about this restaurant. Tasty. Like you should sponsor me. Hashtag sponsor me. Um, yeah. Anyway. And the general manager came and was like talking to us and you made that joke where he's like, where's your husband? And you're like, oh, you're married. <laughs> <laughs> and he like turned me red and I was like, no, we're not lesbians. <laughs> Even though it's cool. It's not us. Yeah. I like to, that's funny. I like to make people feel awkward. <laughs> I think that's the whole other, like, that's also the play on this whole monster thing too. Like my last name is an anagram of monster. And one of my friends told me that Ooh. and I didn't realize that. And the moment that I, he told me that I was like so excited. I was like, <gasps> yeah. I feel like I know my identity. <laughs> I am a truly a monster. Cause I'm just, I don't know. I think that's the one thing I'm very grateful for, for traveling is like, and I say this and I still have to remind myself to be that, but we we're so privileged where we are in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of bad things too, but, um, you know, it just gives you a thankfulness for what you have and yeah. the easeability of things. And I don't know. And then you just kind of have to laugh at things. Like I just laugh. And then I think people think that I'm not serious about things, which maybe I'm not, but I laugh because people get so serious that we forget like yeah. how all this, how did we get here in this world at this point? Like people doing, you know, like, we just got to be willing to laugh and fail and laugh and fail. And yeah, if you just keep humor about things and try to see happiness, then mm -hmm. life's a whole lot happier. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I but, love that. Yeah. You're so wise. <laughs> Again, I know people who <laughs> would beg to differ. But. 
Um, okay, so some fun questions. Um, I mean, all of this has been very fun, but some more, I guess, zesty. Um, Zest. Tell us your favorite place you've ever traveled to. Ooh, favorite place would have to be Denmark. Ooh. Strangely. Or not, I don't know why that's strange. <laughs> I really liked... We were on um, the Big Island, and we stayed... Um, on the western coast in a place called Lukin. And first of all, like, just the Danish people are super happy and, like, the breads and the cheeses and the beers. And, you know, it's just, like, it has a different taste there. But, yeah, and I think this was, too, like, a thankfulness. Like, they had all these bunkers that we were staying in this um, housing complex or whatever school um, that had, like, housing. And the funny part was, too, the Danish national soccer team was there. Ooh. Like, yeah. I mean, not, not too bad to walk or wake up to those guys, you know, <laughs> that doesn't sound right, but, <laughs> but you know, they're out there warming up and practicing. And then we were kind of like in a show build at that particular point. And I don't know, it's just beautiful. And like during the summer, it's just, it's daylight there constantly, you know, yeah. the time that it's, and then we went and played on some islands, um, where they had to get out there as like people on ferries and everybody stays out there for, you know, the whole weekend. And, but we say the school was close to, um, uh, where D-Day happened basically. So there's all these hmm. bunkers sinking in the sand. And again, it's like, I don't know, you just kind of, it's kind of like an eerie beautifulness that like, again, just makes you kind of look at your life a little bit and go, how the heck am I standing here looking at this? Can you imagine what, you know, when they made all the German soldiers walk back and like, I mean, just what has happened throughout history that, you know, I get to be in certain places like this. And then, you know, we had just been in China um, for like two months and it was monsoon season. So it was like the the juxtaposition between the two like places. And I love, um, I think Taiwan was one of my favorite. I love their food in Taiwan. Yeah. It was really cool. But I've gotten to go to some cool places. So yeah. I'm very, very thankful. But, I love that. Yeah. Um, so what is your favorite food? I think one of my favorite things to eat is pizza. Randomly. I sound, how American am I? But uh, And then pretentious as well, because <laughs> the best pizza that I had was in Italy in this very northern area called the Aosta Valley. And um, everything that's made there has to be grown there. So uh-huh. like this, everything is super fresh. And it was like this like uber Italian grandma was out at this like basically in the middle of a campground and just outside and so we're all sitting there bundled up and she brings you the pizza and it's like the thinnest thing that you've ever seen in your life but it has such so tasty and Mm. then i think seafood but you know put the seafood on the pizza and everybody's (laughs) gonna be like this is the grossest grossest combination ever Uh, (laughs) yeah it sounds pretty gross but also we're landlocked so it's like "Mm." well that's what growing up in kansas like when i have good fish i'm like oh so tasty yeah so tasty love that um what's your favorite cocktail Ooh, cocktail. I like tequila a lot. So I'd probably just say some sort of margarita or, but I don't like super sweet. But yeah, I just, I'm also pretty, I don't know. I like mojitos too. I sound so lame, like girly, (laughs) like yay. But I just like, not too sweet. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Usually it's just like, I'll have tequila on the rocks with like a lime. (laughs) Hardcore. (laughs) I'm not a connoisseur of the tequilas either, but okay, yeah, quite tasty. Um, So, if you could go back in time and when you were in school, in music school, and have a billboard in the practice room area, what Mm -hmm. would it say? Remember (laughs) to fail. Ooh, okay, why? Because I think, especially when I first started in school, you know, as classical musicians, first off, I think. 
we a lot of times I think I've talked to you about this before is that we think um well the music that we're playing was created by improvisers that's how this stuff gets made but in the classical world if you play a wrong note it's wrong right which is ironic because again this music was written by taking chances and making things up now granted the composer may be like stop playing that or who knows if Mozart was here he might have been like Alicia that B flat was amazing I will rewrite the part most likely not but you know and you get to school and everybody's sitting there and you have your this class and this class where everybody has their chance to be like passive aggressively like me and it's like it sounded beautiful but you know constructive criticism so basically you're just going through this whole process of like being told bad wrong no it's you know and so you kind of like recoil and I don't again it's not done maliciously but it's just remembering that like everybody fails we all fail take a chance I mean I think remember to fail is probably too succinct but or or not broad enough in terms of but it's like don't be afraid to to mess up because if you mess up that's how bigger chances and change happens and then all of a sudden the more you like i'll never again this is going to sound pretentious but we're in korea <coughs> north korea or so north korea much. oh my gosh not north korea <laughs> south korea hi my name is alicia and so everybody was like super jet lagged when we got there uh-huh. and we we're playing we had this um we did this one tune where we had basically it was ab balls that we bounce around and we kick them to each other and then you bounce them and play at the same time right what casual yeah just normal (laughs) so for some reason like the one girl who played the solo on this particular piece so i'm supposed to kick a ball to her i don't maybe it wasn't me i don't somebody kicks a ball to her and she's supposed to like roll while playing she misses the ball and then kind of like does an entire roll over her violin and then all of a sudden we start kicking all the balls off the stage so every single ball goes off the stage then the next piece we get up there and I, there's this thing where I come out from back behind the stage and run out and play this like like epic solo. Yeah. Running out, I slid on a chord, hit myself in the face with my bow so hard that I was like, I think I'm bleeding. And I was like, I am bleeding, but I am fine. I will be fine. And I stepped up to take that solo and it was like, duh. <laughs> because there was so much lipstick and blood on my bow hair that you could barely and then because of that then I got nervous and then I didn't remember what the solo was so I start making stuff up and I mean like the entire show went this way and the funny part was like you just kind of go the people in the audience were probably even more excited watching us all go crazy and seeing that we are human and yeah. like they had fun with us afterwards it was like one of the most amazing audiences but it also made you kind of go we get so serious about these things, but we always forget that like we're human and things happen and it's how you get through what happens. And I think like looking back on the first years of college when I used to get so nervous and anxious and still something that I have to remind myself about. I mean, you know, some days I'm not as anxious and some days I am and, but just going right. You're here. Just settle on down. Everybody's, sitting out there naked watching you you know just, just dumb thing, you know just, right, right. just remembering that not to take everything so seriously and just go for it and if you fail you fail and if people want to talk about it let them talk about it and do something else and then they'll start talking about something else next week so yeah oh you know. that's so good love that um okay so then the last question um what do you want your legacy to be i honestly have no idea my legacy i just want people to be more especially when it comes to music again and I think this is really interesting because like what we are dealing with socially and stuff I in the current day maybe this is a broad statement is just like again we all want to like put everybody in 
little zones. And I think if anything, I just want to help remind people that music, like there are styles definitely, but the overall arching quality that I love about music is that to me, it's like a vocabulary within it uh, are languages and the languages are the styles. And then you don't have to be a master of anybody, any of it necessarily, but an appreciative listener and understanding. And I guess the legacy would be to, I don't know, just be open to all and that you can do all at a high level. Yeah. You don't have to just put yourself in one of those boxes. You can do it all and be good at all of it. Yeah. Do it well. Yeah. That's so powerful. I love that. So glad I met you. You make me better. You make me better. I was looking at your uh, refrigerator over there and I was like, you rock. And I really like that. Yeah. I have affirmations all over the house. Yeah. I like it. I'm also going to take your dogs. (laughs) Yeah. They're snoring right now. Um, Okay. Well, where can people find you? Uh, You can find me on YouTube, Instagram, uh, and Facebook at Alicia and Strum. Awesome. Well, thanks for chatting with us. Thanks for having me. Oh,